Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Faith in the Zone, a show about sports and faith, how the two come together and lives being touched. Right now, discover how people in sports walk in faith with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on 1250 AM, The Fan. Cause I'm just a nobody We're trying to tell everybody All about somebody Who saved my soul Ever since you rescued me You gave my heart a song to sing I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus Moses had stage fright And David brought a rock to a sword fight well, welcome to Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM. The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern, again flying solo this week. Boy, I miss Pastor Ken Keltner from Brookside Baptist Church. You know, he uh, I always complain about him as my co-host, but I miss him when he's not here. He is, uh, he is a good man, and looking forward to having Pastor Ken back in studio whenever I can get him back in this building. And it might be a little bit longer, I can tell you that. I'm excited about today's show. And uh, our, our guest for the entire hour, is she is Tina Whitlock. And let me tell you a little bit about Tina, big time um, softball player, huge. And had a lot of success playing. And right before COVID last year, she was a, named as a, uh, a coach for the St. Louis Cardinals, Major League Baseball. And very excited to do that. And she was all fired up. And then COVID hit. And so now it's, it's kind of, you know, she's former Major League Baseball coach, kind of. We'll, we'll talk to her about that. As we're talking, I would recommend follow her on Twitter. It's at Plulock, P-L-E-W-L-O-C-K. And let me just tell you a little bit about some of the things you're going to see when you go and you follow her on Twitter. My favorite was October 20th. This is what she said. And I agree with her 100%. Maybe that's why I like it so much. Love is not about the mushy surface level stuff. It's about a deep reverence for things like patience, kindness, trust, protection, hope, and perseverance. Love drives out fear and keeps no record of wrongs. In a world where everyone is seeking an edge, seek out love. It never fails. Our special guest, she is Tina Whitlock. Tina, how are you today? Doing well. Thank you so much for the invite. Yeah, I really appreciate your willingness to come on, uh, Tina. I really do, and I've done a lot of research for you, and, and uh, boy, I'll tell you what, playing at South Carolina, you know, the Gamecocks, you're a heck of a softball player, and everything I read says, look, she could, she was a good catcher, could really, you know, track him down in the outfield, but put a bat in her hand, and watch out, watch what happens. Yeah, just be lucky you don't get the batter's box with me throwing. I'd come high into tight, and, I'd make, and then I'd throw a curveball and have you diving out of the way, just so you know. You, you don't, I think that's the great thing. Of, that's the great thing about the game. We can come high and tight in our yeah. game. That's the specialty of the rise ball. Oh well, t- Tina, I've told this story. Um, I, I do a segment for a TV show called, or I did, it just got canceled, called Around the Corner with John McGivern. And we'd go to different markets, different uh, communities in the state of Wisconsin. we travel all over. And my brother doesn't know anything about sports, and I don't know anything about theater. So it's a perfect combination. And I would do sports for a minute in different communities throughout the 
State, and I would pick. I'd go to the high school normally and pick, you know, the team that the program that that athletic director is most proud of. And in Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin, a couple years ago, they had a big time girls softball team and they had a division one pitcher. And you don't get a lot of division one pitchers out of the state of Wisconsin. And the girls were all really nice, Tina. They're all excited to meet me and very they kept saying, thank you for doing this. And I said, hey, which one is the big time pitcher? And the girl kind of raised her hand. I said, why don't you warm up? Because I'm going to take you deep a little bit. And she goes, are you kidding? I said, no. And this catcher, this little blonde catcher that was so cute and so kind, she puts the gear on and she goes, outfield, bring it in, no hitter, no hitter. I go, are you kidding me? She goes, oh, you're not touching this. The pitcher looked at at the coach and he put up two fingers to his cheek. I never saw the ball, Tina. I didn't see it. And it hit the glove, and I go, well, that, that was outside. And the catcher goes, are you kidding? It was right down the middle. I hit one pitch of ground ball to the second baseman, Tina, and the pitcher got mad. I said, what are you mad about? She said, I want you touching my stuff. And I said, well, I'm going to go lefty. She goes, could you hit lefty? I said, I can hit you lefty. And I bunted one of the third basemen, and she burst out laughing. I go, what are you laughing at? She goes, I would have thrown you out by a mile. Uh, and I thought, hey, I'm an old guy. You're supposed to be kind to me. And Tina, they weren't. I didn't. I never saw that first pitch. And it just completely changed my whole attitude about women's softball. Yes, it's, it's highly competitive. And, and I, I think about what the story you just shared. And I was like, man, if you ever went against the women who used to play in shorts, Oh boy! A much tougher crowd. If you think that that crowd was tough, the, the women who played in shorts and laid the foundation of the game, they were the tough ones. And so. I would have loved to have seen that as well. Oh, I, you know what? And these girls, and once it was over, they were all very kind again. And I said to this catcher, I said, hey, you're a lot nicer when you get the gear off. She said, yes, I am, but I don't want you talking smack to my pitcher. And I said, you're sticking up for her? She goes, yeah, she's as good a pitcher as I've ever caught. And I don't want anybody messing with her. I said, you got it. I, I just, I loved it. Hey, can we talk a little bit about your background and where you grew up? Certainly. I grew up a Navy brat in San Diego, California. I, I went to seven elementary schools as a kid, and I lived in Texas, California, Utah, Washington State uh, as a youth. Finally settled back in California um, to start my high school career. Did, um, were you a single-sport athlete, or a, were you a multi-sport athlete, or was softball the thing that, that caught your attention the most? I uh, Actually, multi-sport athlete. You know, my you know, being a, a military brat, you know, you, you were always um, finding something to do um, with the kids on base. And, you know, I, play, I ran cross-country. I played soccer, played water polo, helped, helped to start a water pro, um, polo program. Um, at our high school, we actually played against the boys because there weren't enough girls teams. Um, also, um, played winter baseball um, in high school. I'd played little league baseball um, and made the transition when I was about fourteen to pick up softball and you know focus on you know uh, reaching my goal of playing in college at five five three hundred nineteen hundred twenty pounds. You know, playing collegiate baseball really was not a um, a reality <laughs> for right. me. However, I utilized the sport of baseball as my spring training since they had winter league out there in California. I played um, under a guy named Butch Smith at Vista High School. Um, Butch Smith also was Dave Roberts' coach as well, and we used to train together at local a local um, facility called Prime Time. And so I, I was among some really great young men um, at that time. And we were very competitive, and um, it was like iron sharpens iron. We were out there to make each other better and to just aid each other in achieving our goals. And then many of the guys either got drafted or they went on to play collegiate ball. Very thankful for that experience because um, I think it's really how God brought me full circle today. I reconnected with several of those, those young men in my pursuits of coming back to the ball field. We're talking with Tina Whitlock and, and a little bit more about her. She's a two-time collegiate All-American, set a number of uh, batting records during her tenure. <laughs> Excuse me, 1997 Gamecock 
squad. They won the uh, SEC tournament and booked a trip to Wisconsin to the Women's College World Series, to the Women's uh, College World Series. And she also earned a berth on the U.S. national team and played in the pros. So we're, we're talking about somebody that obviously at an extremely high level. The, the part of this article that I read that, that just made me smile the most was where it said, as a little girl, we like to not grow up dreaming uh, to be a coach in the big leagues. She was too busy being a player. She played baseball with the boys, never making a distinction between them and her, a distinction that's, that's still mostly lost on her. She appreciates that she's one of the few female coaches at that point in Major League Baseball, but that's changing. For Willock, it was never about gender, but about greatness. Whether it was baseball or softball, playing or coaching, it didn't matter. Whitlock just wanted to be great. And I love that. Hey, back then, obviously, um, fully accepted by the boys that, that you were a heck of a player and didn't care that you were a girl, just come play and help us win games. Yeah, it was actually just a, a natural state or natural place to be at the ball field for me, just like it was for you know my, my teammates. And I remember putting the gear on and go catching a ball, uh, a bullpen, and there it was. It was not a big deal, you know. It was about just being able to make each other better and you know su- succeed out there on the ball field. And I think I, I have to say thank you to uh, Coach Butch Smith because he also created that environment. And I think you know even if it was a, a single gender team, you know he did a great job of just making sure that that everyone was an equal on the ball field and we were all going to achieve, you know, um, the same goal. So it required that we all work hard. And I, I appreciated that, that he created an environment like that, regardless if I was on the roster or not. Yeah. Tina, I coached a long time ago, little league baseball. And we had a, a girl that, and I knew I grew up with her family. I grew up, I, I went, you know, same grade school, high school with her brother, um, same age. And, and Janine was the younger uh, sister. And she was kind of a tomboy. And she showed up at like our first practice. And, and I could see some of the boys kind of laughing and, oh, really, is she going to play? And then she got on the mound. And do you know what the whole <laughs> league they started calling her Mean Janine because nobody could hit her. And if they somebody did get a hit, the next pitch was coming high and inside. And, you know, uh, she's married now with kids, and I think one of her daughters just got married. And, and But I'm telling you, if I see her, I go, Mean Janine. And she goes, you know, Coach, would you stop? I'm not Mean Janine anymore. But she was as good a player as there was in that league. And other teams, if they didn't know, and she's warming up, you could see them kind of talking. They're going to throw a girl. A girl's going to pitch against us? Oh. And all the kids <laughs> would start laughing. And then the first, she'd strike the first boy out with three pitches, and he would just shake his head going back to the dugout going, hey, boys, good luck. Good luck with me and Janine, I'll tell you. So it was wonderful. Our, our guest, Tina Whitlock, again, Navy brat, uh, California, and she ended up at South Carolina. We're going to talk a little bit about that in the second segment before we get to her testimony because I, I it says in the article I read that that was the biggest school that was re- recruiting her. And I'm wondering if, 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 uh, if that was a great decision for her to go there because I think it was, but we'll find out. And then we'll ask for her testimony. Again, Tina Whitlock is our special guest. You can follow her on Twitter at Plulock, P-L-E-W-L-O-C-K. And later in the show, we're going to talk to her about Christ Squared, which is uh, something that her and friend of hers have put together. Also, we're going to talk about Stars and Stripes um, Sports, which is something that uh, she's also involved with. She's got a lot of stuff going on. So we'll uh, continue our conversation with Tina Whitlock on the other side of the break. This is Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM, The Fan. More now of Faith in the Zone. Discovering people in sports and their walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Brookside Baptist Church. Back with hosts Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on 1250 AM, The Fan. I'm just a nobody, trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. Ever since you rescued me, you gave my heart a song to sing. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. Moses had- 
Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM. The fan, I'm Mike McGivern, again, flying solo this week. Our special guest, Tina Whitlock. You can follow her on Twitter, and I told you about uh, my favorite tweet from October 20th talking about love, but she's at P-L-E-W-L-O-C-K. Hey, at the end of the first segment, we talked a little bit about your decision to go to uh, South Carolina. And that uh, that was, I think what I read, one of the biggest schools that was recruiting you. Was that an easy decision for you, Tina? Uh, actually, actually, it was. I uh, had just become a Christian um, within you know my late teenage years, around my junior, senior year. And so I had really just prayed about things. And when I came to South Carolina, I fell in love with the people in the trees. They had actually nothing to do about with softball and I mean because at that time it was not a SEC powerhouse because the SEC was not around um, it didn't have these grand facilities or anything like that so I really had to base my decision on on the real things and the things that God had in store for me boy that's oh, what a great way to talk about the recruiting part and in the radio business that's called a segue Tina, that was a perfect segue for us to ask if you'll uh, be kind enough to share your testimony with us. Yeah, absolutely. So when I was a, I, I grew up in the church. Um, my family, um, both sides of my family, um, had had a, attended church regularly. We had attended the Church of Christ, um, which is different than um, the, the the sect that's out this out here on the East Coast. I think it, there is no, um, in this particular non-denominational church, it, it was very basic. There was no choir. Um, we sang a cappella, so every, it sounded horrible most of the time, but hopefully the God thought it was great. Um, and, you know, we didn't have anything like youth group or anything like that. It was very, very um, plain in regards to the foundation of things. It was the, it was the Bible and some preaching and some singing. And um, I had an aunt who started to talk to me about just getting baptized and making a commitment to Christ. And as I thought through it, I, I knew that I was at a time in my life where I needed some maturation, and I decided to get baptized and made that commitment. And so from there, um, I think the first decision that I ever made was... Um, my after my freshman year in college, um, I was tested in the sense that we we were winning, but we weren't winning big. <laughs> and we'd go, you know, we would go back to the West Coast and and lose, you know, games against some of the top teams. And they were some of my friends were on those teams, and I I couldn't figure it out why. And I was faced first like real adult decision, you know, whether I wanted to go or stay. And I thought I truly thought that that I wanted to go and. And I, my dad encouraged me to pray about it. And I had a sense of conviction, you know, that, you know, you can't, if you're going to do the Lord's work, you can't just always go where it's always, you know, where something's already built. You know, that just like Noah, he built the ark. You know, there's a, there's a lot of stories in the Bible where people were building things. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I was had this convinc- conviction that, you know, to stay and to, to be a builder. And, you know, I had several other teammates that also had a strong faith. And so we all stayed and we, we built. And it wasn't, and, and, and my decision wasn't based on anything of disliking the school I was at or the coaches. I love my coach dearly. Um, I just was, I was young and immature and I thought that winning was going to solve something, you know. Right. And um, little did I know that through that act of obedience of prayer and committing to stay and, and be a builder, um, he brought my husband into my life my junior year, um, and then he also delivered um, just in an amazing season. You know, we, we went 63-5. and five. We were the first SEC championship team. The, the 97 was the first year of the SEC. Um, many of the women there were, were laying the foundation of what the SEC conference was going to look like tonight. However, you know, for me personally, my faith walk at that time was, you know, just a maturation phase phase for me, um, learning how to pray, learning how to be obedient, learning how to um, share the gospel with others, 
and I, you know, that was just a time of really just learning all those things, being that young. It wasn't until later in life, um, after I was married for five years, that my my faith was tested, and that was through the loss of my, my husband. I was pregnant um, with my second child, and um, I got a call one morning, and they had told me he was at the hospital. And upon arriving at the hospital, the doctors had shared that he had passed. And immediately, here I am, nine months pregnant, days away from giving birth, immediately my life changed. You know, had a, I had a two-and-a-half-year-old at, at, that, at that time as well, and what I realized was that there was no way that I was going to be able to do it on my own. And so I was very reliant on the intercessory prayer of others and, you know, just perseverance, the ability to persevere. And I had a lot of struggles a lot of ha- and a lot of ups and a lot of downs, but what I, what I did learn was that as I persevered and, and learned to operate in love that he, you know, he restored my life and that's what he's been doing for the last 18 years is just continuing to restore um, my life. And very much like Job, I believe he will deliver in many ways. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just, you know, I've read that part of it and we talked a little bit off the air about, you know, are you okay with me bringing that up? But, but I have to tell you, it, you know, I, I tear up a lot during um, some of these testimonies, and if you knew me back in the day, Tina, you'd laugh because, you know, this big Irish boy that, you know, just got beat up all the time on the on the corner, and, and I can't, you know, I don't know how you survived that. And I obviously I know because the Lord has helped, and but I just... You know th- this this man that and I read the the whole part about him following the bus and he was like the biggest fan and and you know uh, with the, with the brooms outside of the truck if you've swept if you swept the series and stuff and I yeah. what, what did he die of what what uh, what took him he um, unfortunately he had a heart that enlarged on him and you know we think that 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 was possibly caused by an accident that he'd had earlier in life where he had, was indirectly struck by lightning. Um, so, you know, he was, Brian was a wonderful sure. man. He had lots of energy and charisma. He loved the Lord. He had, he, he, uh, he was eight years older than me and um, he had given his life to the Lord just prior to me coming into his life. He, he was at a time in his life where he was struggling with a lot and he said he went to church one day and was fully convicted, and he left. And he went home, and he had hit the floor. He thought he was going to die in this moment. And he said he hit the floor, and all he did was cry out to the Lord. He said, I'm yours. And he said, he goes, if there's anything that you tell us to come and ask you for anything, and the only thing that I ask for is a wife and a family. And so in his short life, he made... He, he attained everything that God had promised him, and I'm really proud to be able to share that story to my with my two boys. You bet. <laughs> um, I did, uh, nine days later, after you know losing my husband and burying my husband, I gave birth to another son, and I did get a chance to name him after his father. We didn't have a name picked out, so it was perfect timing and a perfect name. And in the in the South, they say, um, "Chew them up and spit them out." <laughs> and my son looks—he looks exactly like his father. So perfect name. Oh boy, Brian Kelly Whitlock. Yeah, and he's the youngest of two. And Aaron, how are your boys doing? And uh, you know, obviously they didn't know their father, but I'm sure that you get a chance to to talk to these young men all about their dad. Yes, you know, they're both doing very well. They both actually I'll be empty nesting this year, which is pretty amazing. I feel very successful as a parent <laughs> to be able to say, I get to set my kids off, you know. Um, we still have some unknowns that we're working through re- regarding the next step, but they will be both graduating. But I have full confidence that, you know, they will go exactly where the God wants to take them. My oldest. He works at UPS right now. He's working on the night shift, which is really neat because he um, comes home exhausted like at 4 o'clock in the morning, and um, just he feels accomplished. Um, he's finishing up his degree, his um, high school 
um, through the Liberty Online. Um, have, have, he's really enjoyed his time um, online at Liberty. Right. And then my youngest, he's a football player, so he's he's um, pursuing a hopefully a scholarship or a roster spot at you know some some um, college football team where. We're, we're kind of letting that play out. COVID kind of took away opportunity to get some of that stuff done early. But he's, a, he's transitioned into a long snapper, and we're hoping that he'll have, find a place somewhere where he can do some long snapping. Hey, do you know, uh, Tina, a guy that we had on a few weeks ago, and if you go to faithinthezone.com, um, he is starting um, Athletes in Action chapter here in Milwaukee, and he was a long snapper in college, and he he hung in there for a couple of years trying to get a tryout uh, in the pros, and, and he said, look, that's a really difficult journey because those guys never leave. But that's what he did, and I, you know, I, I'm not sure if there's ever a way to put your son in contact with this guy, but he he was really good. He was really good, and and uh, he he will be moving here into the city of Milwaukee uh, in December. So here in the next few weeks, and I will uh, if if your son ever wants to talk to somebody who's gone through it, you know, somebody doesn't know, uh, but certainly has a, a strong love for Christ, and and will talk him through what his journey was like, uh, please, I can certainly put you guys together. Our special guest today, and I, I tell you, you know, she has had a, a lot of disappointment in her life, and for her to be able to get up on the mountaintop and say, you know what, I'm good. The Lord has my back. And I just, uh, she's been through some stuff, man. And I, I just praise the fact that the Lord continues to to, to watch out, and she, she just continues to, to say, what's my next step, Lord? Whatever you need from me, let me know. Her name is Tina Whitlock. Again, two-time uh, All-American as a softball player at South Carolina. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about those days. Again, her Twitter page, and it's former um, St. Louis Cardinal coach, Stars and Stripes Sports, um, faithfully, live faithfully, love abundantly, and uh, restlessly chase your dreams, relentlessly chase your dreams. Um, is is her uh, on Twitter, and again, follow her because that October twentieth one got me, and I I printed it out, and and I'm I'm trying to live like that. I, it's not love isn't mushy, but it's all about that other stuff, the real deep reverence of things like patience and kindness and trust, which. If my wife is listening, she knows there are times that I really struggle with those. Again, Tina Whitlock, our special guest. This is Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone, an inside look at people in sports and their walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Bayview Shade and Blind. Here are your hosts, Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Kellner, only on 1250 AM, The Fan. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. When Moses had stage fright, and David brought a rock to a sword fight, you picked 12 outsiders nobody would have chosen and you changed the world. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM. The fan, I'm Mike McGivern, our special guest. She is Tina Whitlock. And, you know, listening to her testimony and some of the the battles that she has overcome. Um, I, I, I told her during the break, I don't know how. And, and I don't know how somebody is strong enough to do some of the things that she has done. And, and she said, look, at, you know, you go through it and you, and you do it and you've got a good support system. And then she made a comment that said, but you know what? I was alone a lot and maybe that was good. Maybe that was good for me. And I'm wondering, Tina, when you, when you said that to me, I, could we talk a little bit about that? Was that, was that your grieving um, part where you needed to kind of be by yourself with these two little boys? Yeah, I think that, you know, that I found myself throughout the last 18 years, I've found myself in times of solitude, you know, where you had that alone time. You know, during that time, those, those were the times where, you know, the Lord taught me how to be a mother. The Lord taught me how to be a better coach. Those are the times where he just strengthened my faith, 
in a way that where I wasn't relying on the things that I could do, but I was more reliant on the things that he could do. Um, really, truly showing me the truth. It started actually out with seeking truth, tr- seeking truth and seeking wisdom. And he led me right back to love and how love actually truly works. And that, you know, he, he reminded me that God, that he himself is love. God is love and God drives out fear, right? Love drives out fear. And, you know, when I, when I read through like first Corinthians 13, um, as I was saying earlier, we sometimes just, we stop really at the portion or the part where it talks about love is patient, love is kind, and it doesn't envy or doesn't boast. It may not be proud. It's not rude or proud or or self-seeking. And it seems like that's all we hear about when we talk about love, but love is very deep. It's much more deep than that. And it's much more powerful than that because love is God. God is love. And so when you get down to the absolutes of love, you're going to see where it talks about the word, it uses the word always. And that is an absolute. Love always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. And so in those times of solitude, the Lord was showing me how that worked, how that was going to play out in my life, that he was always going to protect me, that I could always trust him, I could always hope in him, and that I would have perseverance, that I could persevere through his love. But more importantly than that, he shared with me how love never fails. There in 13, verse 8, love never fails. And for me, that was game-changing in regards to just my faith maturing. I share that with athletes all the time about how, you know, if we operate in love, you know, not just at home or off the field, but in on the field as well, in the things that we do in life, when we operate in love, we're not going to fail. God doesn't fail. And so I think it's very important to really understand that. And, and as I've done that, I've, I've become fearless. I've had courage. I've, I've had boldness because I'm operating in love. Now, there's times when I fail, you know, to operate in love, and I realize quickly or I have a sense of conviction that comes over me. But more importantly is just making sure that, I operate in love and, 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 and demonstrate to others these things, you know, how to trust, how to protect the things that you love and, you know, to persevere and, and, and not to, and never fail. Our guest and, and boy, she is really good. Tina Whitlock and, and perfect for, uh, for faith in the zone to be able to talk about, you know, her journey and, 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 and talk about love and what it means and, and, and the real meaning. It's not, you know, it's not some of the things we see on Hallmark. On the, the my wife loves watching Hallmark Channel. By the way, Tina, she that is her favorite <laughs> channel, and I me too. <laughs> I just say, look, is I'm sure the the country singer is going to get you know be able to get married to the girl that owns that big house or what. And my wife's like, just leave me alone. Just leave. Go watch your sports someplace else at this point. So, um, <laughs> hey, Tina, can we talk a little bit about um, when you talked about? Um, really kind of digging into your faith when, when you were in college. Um, do, do you remember, like, uh, maybe people uh, talking to you differently? Did, did they deal with you differently? Was it, was it a time that, was that comfortable for you as you started to, to get maybe a little bit more, you know, dug in and serious about your faith? Um, were, were you treated differently from, from teammates, from other players, things like that? You know, it's interesting that you say that because, or ask that because just like playing, you know, baseball on the boys team, you know, I just had no trouble, you know, with it. I think I was young. I was kind of naive in, in regards. So I think in many ways I was just protected against anything that might have been a, a negative. Um, I personally, um, re- regarding my faith, no, I think we had a team that had a strong faith. We had... Um, the, the culture of our team was very respectful towards everybody and what they believed in. And so through college, you know, I mean, and we're also here in the Bible Belt, so you have a lot of people in the area that, you know, practice and demonstrated their faith publicly. So for me, per, for me personally, I'd never, I never had anybody or any instances where my faith was um, a negative. You know, it usually was a conversation starter, and I never had any awkwardness regards to sharing it. I think people were, were more fascinated with the fact that you had a strong conviction 
and 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 had the ability to hope and and believe in a higher being. Yeah, you know, I um again uh, in the Midwest here, it's a little different. My daughter, who now you know she's married and got these three, I have these three wonderful grandsons from her. Um, but when she was a senior in high school, she had some interest in going to Pensacola Christian College of Pensacola, Florida. So we took a trip and we realized, Tina, after the trip that um, we probably shouldn't travel just her and I together because we're identical and we're very stubborn and bullheaded. So we need to have either my son, Matthew, or my wife, Terry, with us to kind of be between us. But we were there. We got there on a Thursday and on a Friday night. They had some options if you wanted to do this or do that. Well, I want to go see a high school football game. I'm in Florida, and down the road was a school from Pensacola and a team and a school from Alabama, and neither team had a great record. But I got there and I and I bought like a program or a bullet or a, a, you know whatever to look at the rosters, and it was like a, a thirty-page you know here in Wisconsin you get two sheets of paper with the rosters on, and every other page was for a church, and these were two public schools. And I'm sitting next to these guys. I'm like, hey, you know, we can't do this up in Wisconsin. <laughs> like, we can't have churches all over, you know, a high school program like this. And they said, man, where are you from? I said, Wisconsin. They said, boy, you're in the Bible Belt. Are you kidding me? Every, you know, all, <laughs> all the people here at Pensacola, they go from the bar to the, you know, over to the church and then back to the <laughs> bar again. You're okay. So, and it's funny you brought up the Bible Belt because I still kept that program that, you know, that the, I guess it's called the program. I kept it. And yeah. to be able to say, hey, look at this, how different it is down in in, uh, in Florida. And I love that. Our special guest, Tina Whitlock, again, you can follow her on Twitter at Plu, P-L-E-W-L-O-C-K, is, uh, is where you can, can find her. Hey, before we get to a break, can we talk a little bit about Christ Squared? Um, I know that, that we talked about it off the air, and it's something that's just kind of starting to get going, correct? Yes, it is. Um, my friend Christy Cox um, and I started Christ Squared with my... Um, we came with, we, um, we had met in an FCA meeting, Fellowship of Christian Athletes meeting, and she did one of my first interviews, and her daughter also plays softball at CIU, and I had a chance to work with her daughter. And Christy also would coach she on the youth level, and we got to thinking with her name, Christy, and my name, Christina, um, that we should get together and do some sort of business. And it just so happened that, you know, we were like, oh, look at this. Both our names start with Christ. Why not? You know, so... Uh, we decided that we, we, well, we prayed over this, obviously, and we formed Christ Squared, and it's going to be a, a just a, a faith-based sports, you know, softball, right now it's softball-related um, um, sports ministry, you know, where we put on camps and clinics, speaking engagements, but ultimately what we want to do is um, build it to where not only are we serving the youth, but women coaches being able to create a conference for women coaches to where they can come in and be nourished um, in an environment that speaks truth to them but uh, and gives them, you know, reinforces their abilities through biblical principles. Um, but in February, we're going to launch our first clinic, and it's called For the Love of the Game. And it's going to be based on all the principles here about how to operate in love on and off the ball field. Boy, how fun will that be? And, and I love the idea of the overall picture of, of, of trying to figure out how to include coaches because I think sometimes, you know, everybody is trying to get the players to, to the next level and being able to get the players better, and, and they kind of forget about the coaches. And, and I think that that's really a, a very good idea for you guys. And, and are you still living in South Carolina, by the way? I am. I am living in South Carolina. Well, when when this when Christ Square gets so big that you want to bring it to the Midwest, please, you know, have me be your first call because there's a lot of coaches <laughs> and there's a lot of kids here that I think that we could get, you know, to a clinic or get to a camp and uh, would have a lot of interest. And the, and I think there's some coaches that I've talked to that would have a lot of interest in being involved in that as well. Let's get to a break. Other side of the break, we're going to wrap this up and. Tina, I'm going to give you a heads up. Of all the uniforms that you've worn, 
of you know all the time that you've been an athlete from from a, a little girl all the way through. Um, if I if I gave you the opportunity to put on a uniform one more time. Get that uniform and play for that team on a Friday night or a, a, a Saturday afternoon. It doesn't matter. Against a team. Who would it be? And then I may ask you for when you, when you think of your, your phenomenal athletic career, what would be the highlight for that? And we'll get Tina's answer on the other side again. She is Tina Whitlock. And I look forward to having Christ Squared getting going because they're going to start this in February and if it starts to grow and, and she wants to take it to the Midwest I, I promise you that I'll continue to talk about it and see if we can't help her uh, take this throughout the country again Tina Whitlock and you can uh, follow her on Twitter P-L-E-W Lock Plue Lock is uh, where you're going to find her this is Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM The Fan Back to Faith in the Zone a journey on how people in sports walk in faith Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Here are hosts Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. Moses has stage fright. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM. The fan, I am Mike McGivern again flying solo this week. Pastor Ken Keltner from Brookside Baptist Church. We'll get him on soon, and I don't think I'll have a guest when we get him back in studio because he'll have a lot to say when he gets back. Our special guest, Tina Whitlock, two-time All-American. to a softball player at South Carolina. And, Tina, I love this last segment. I love the second segment, The Most Faith in the Zone, because I, I love hearing everybody's testimony and, and their life story. The last segment, we just have a little bit of fun. And if if all the uniforms that you've had from from water polo, you know, track and field to baseball to softball, and I put them all in your closet and said, okay, you pick one, and I'm going to be able to get you to play in one more game with that team. What uniform do you pick out of that closet? I would have to say I would choose the Corinth Baptist Church Church League softball uniform. It was the very last. It was the very last um, time that I played softball, and it was a time when my husband and I, we played together. So I have fond memories of that time playing. And um, so, yeah, I'd have to say the, the Corn Baptist Church softball team. <laughs> you, played, you played for Team USA. You played for South Carolina, and you're going to the Baptist Church Softball League. Now, look, guys that listen to the show, they know. I, I told Pastor Daryl Strawberry that him and I were twins. I was the Daryl Strawberry of the church softball league. I said, our swing, it's identical. And he said, no, I don't, I don't believe you at all. I think you're lying. Hey, how intimidating was it? I don't know how good of a softball player your husband was, but uh, he, he wasn't better than you were. How intimidating was that for him? Oh, you know what? He actually was a very good athlete. Um, his strength was his his running game, um, but it was it was more just the fun. You know, I think he loved it. He he absolutely loved it. And um, I think just to say that we played together. Actually, one of my other teammates from college, her and her husband, had played as well. And that that I think that's what made it was the fact that we were amongst other people that we enjoyed, and our team was all ages. So. It was all ages. It was a co-ed team, and we just had a blast together. I think it was just really, really fun. Hey, Tina, you know what's really interesting about that for me is that when when you, when I meet or I know people that played at a certain level, and to, in women's softball, you played at the greatest level. It's hard for them to come back. And so a guy that's played a big-time Division One college basketball program, to then come and play in a, in a church three-on-three league is very difficult to, for him to have fun with the game that he fell in love with as a child, but then now it was a job for him for so long. And to say for you to say how much fun it was 
to play softball in a church softball league, I think is really interesting. I'm happy that you, you could have fun with a game that you loved. Yeah, I think, it was, again, it was the people that made it um, enjoyable. So um, we did have the rule that my roommate and I, we couldn't, we couldn't throw home. We had to hit our cut. Our cut. <laughs> <laughs> so we did have a few, a few, few restrictive rules. Now, it was great. Was that um, and at that time, Hold at on. that time, we were mothers, we were mothers so oh. I think I played, the last year I played, I was pregnant playing, so I could hit it to the fence, but I could only get the first base. Well, that sounds just like me. Look at you and yeah. I are like twins now. I could hit it to the fence, and I could only get the first base. My biggest fear, and, and, and I'm on this kind of health kick now, Tina, and I've dropped a lot of weight, but my biggest fear back then was I, I would go to right field a lot. You know, I would I could take a, a softball and I could kind of hit the hit the line, hit the chalk um, down the right field line a little bit. And my biggest fears would be I would hit a one hopper to the right fielder and, and and the right fielder would throw me out at first. And I promised people if that ever happens, I'm just going to grab my glove and my bat and go to the car and never play again. Ever. And I'm telling you, that was my biggest fear. I, a couple of years ago, I had hurt my knee and I was waiting for knee surgery and it started feeling a little bit better. And I got a call from the guy that ran our church softball. He said, hey, we're short a guy tonight. I go, I'll be, I'm good. He goes, really? I go, yeah. And I said it very quietly. And then I went and got my stuff and I was going to kind of sneak out the side door. And my wife, Terry's like, where are you going? I go, what? She goes, where are you going? I go, uh... I'm going to just go, uh, Bruce needs a guy. And she goes, it's not a good idea. My wife's a nurse, Tina. And she goes, not a good idea. Don't do it. I go, no, no, I'll be fine. I, it's his church softball league. I just, I'll play first base and that'll be the end of it. Well, my daughter, her husband played on our team. So my daughter and grandsons were at the game and, and I hit one in the gap and I was digging for two and my knee just exploded. I mean, it was, I crawled back to first base. By the time I got to first base, my daughter was already on the phone with my wife. And I drove home. It took me 10 minutes to walk to my car, got home. And my wife walked out and she goes, need help? I go, yeah, I do. She goes, good luck. I'll see you later. I go, what? She goes, I told you. I told you not to. And then she kind of laughed and helped. But, yeah, that was my. That was it. That was it for me, for sure. Hey, and we just have three minutes left. Tina, if I, if I asked you the best moment of, of playing at South Carolina or playing for Team USA or playing, you know, the best moment for you as, as, as a big-time athlete, um, and maybe it's high school, I guess I could, I, if you want to use that as well. But when you close your eyes at night and you kind of think back on your career and your life as an athlete, what, what pops out? What, what was the best moment for you? Well, I, I kind of have two. One would be when our team won the first ever SEC tournament and also regular season, you know, to me, that was that was huge. Um, we had, like I said, we were sixty-three and five that year, so it was a pretty amazing season. Um, and then second is, and is just representing Team USA down in Medellin, Colombia, for the Pan Am qualifiers. I remember being on the podium with my teammates. Um, you know, coming from a strong military family, everybody represented their country by you know going and fighting or you know serving through the military branches. Um, and, and I had the only opportunity I had to do to represent my country was through sport. And so for me, that was a just a defining moment for me personally in my career was to represent the Team USA. Yeah, how um, how proud were your parents during that time? My goodness. Oh, <laughs> oh my dad! My dad, he's, oh. you know, definitely on cloud nine, and my mother as well. But you know, the person who was the most proud was my my grandfather Dale Plew, and he he passed several years ago, but. He came through during a time when women didn't do much, and he gave me the opportunity. He, he entertained the idea of coming to a game and was just absolutely blown away by it. And he would go and actually watch um, the Reading Rebels play and stuff. But I never played on the Reading Rebels, but he, he, he became so fond of the game of softball and fast pitch and how, how women advanced in the game. And this was a guy who at one time, you know, um, didn't believe that women would do much. So to me, to know that my grandfather was the most proud and had come from a, a position where, um, again, women didn't, you know, they didn't do much outside of the home. Sure. Um, these wow. 
Good. Oh, I bet. Really, really proud. I'm sure Dale was. Uh, Tina, thank you so much. I, 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 I just really appreciate it. I want to thank Tom Roy for for uh, introducing us. I, I wish you luck with Christ uh, Squared, and, and and let me know if there's anything in the state of Wisconsin. If you ever want to come up, I don't know if you know, you're know you tough enough to come to these Wisconsin winters, but you know what? The spring's not bad, and the summer's great here. But if there's anything that we can do for you uh, here in the state of Wisconsin, please don't hesitate to ask. And, and I just... Uh, I loved having you on the show. You're, you're, that second segment for me um, was was so impressive, and I, I just thank you so much uh, for your time. And and again, if there's anything that you need from me, please let me know. Thank you, Mike. It's very enjoyable. Thank Have you. Have a blessed day. You as well. She is Tina Whitlock. Again, you can follow her at Plulock. P L E W L O C K. Thanks for listening. This is Faith in the Zone on twelve fifty AM. The Fan. You've been listening to Faith in the Zone with hosts Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner. You can hear Faith in the Zone every Sunday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. To find past shows, exclusive podcasts, or to contribute with an inside tip on a guest, simply go to faithinthezone.com. Faith in the Zone is an inside look at people in sports and their walk in faith. Join us again next Sunday for Faith in the Zone right here on 1250 a.m., the fan. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. Ever since you rescued me, you gave my heart a song to sing. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. Moses had stage fright And David brought a rock to a sword fight You picked 12 outsiders Nobody would have chosen And you changed the world Well, the moral of the story is Everybody's got a purpose This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance Whether you love true crime or comedy Celebrity interviews or news You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.